0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Kohelet Podcast. What a joy it is to be with you on this journey. Let me just mention again at the outset that we are very glad that you are listening to this podcast and going with us through Systematic Theology by Dr. Wayne Grudem. Today, we are going to be dealing with chapter 19, which is the topic of angels. And I think this will be a great uh, chapter for us because I found in pastoral ministry that there's a lot of curiosity around angels, maybe even some Christian mythology around this subject. So I think this should be a chapter that uh, will help maybe clear up some false notions about angels. At the outset, we're dealing with a very simple question, what are angels? Dr. Grudem defines angels this way, angels are created spiritual beings with moral judgment and high intelligence, but without physical bodies. So we can begin by talking about the fact that angels are created beings. This means that they have not always existed. They are not eternal like God. In fact, they exist within the created universe which God made, even if they have a very different kind of existence than we do as humans. The Bible does not record for us the event in which God created angels, so we don't have a ton of information about that. But Psalm 148 says, Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. So we do find in that verse, this declaration that God created angels. Again, they are not like God in the sense that they are not eternal. They have not always existed. And then Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says that God created all things visible and invisible. So we tend to think about creation as merely the material universe that we live in. But actually, the Bible would have us understand that beyond the material universe, beyond what we can see and feel and interact with and perceive with our eyes and our minds, there are spiritual beings and there is a spiritual realm that is actually still within creation, still within this universe that God made. Dr. Grudem's definition of angels also includes the fact that these spiritual beings have moral judgment. So angels are created spiritual beings with moral judgment and we know that they have moral judgment because in 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 4 we're actually told that some of the angels that God created sinned against God and fell from their position. We also know that angels are highly intelligent beings so that's a part of the definition that they are spiritual beings with moral judgment and high intelligence and we know that they have high intelligence because unlike say animals that are lower intelligence uh angels actually speak to people in the scriptures we see that recorded in various instant um, instances throughout the text of the bible they also execute god's commands and they sing praises to god so they comprehend God and they think about him and they do what he says and they praise his name and give him glory. Now, since angels are spirits or spiritual creatures, they do not ordinarily have physical bodies, so they typically can't be seen by humans unless God gives some special reason for them to appear to us. And we see instances like that occasionally throughout the text of scripture as well. But scripture teaches us that angels are engaged in the work of acting as God's messengers. They also safeguard God's people. And they even join with Christians in worshiping God. So throughout the Bible, we find angels referred to by various names. Sometimes they're called sons of God. That's often the case in the Old Testament. They're also called holy ones, spirits, um, sometimes watchers, and even the phrase dominions and rulers and authorities can sometimes also apply to angels. And we find mentioned in the Bible too other kinds of heavenly beings. I guess you could also refer to them as angels, uh, just different kinds or categories of angels. These two are created spiritual beings who serve and worship God. Specifically, the Bible mentions the cherubim which are found guarding uh, the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter three, verse 24, after Adam and Eve are cast out from the garden. And they're mentioned in a couple other places throughout the Bible as well. And then you have the seraphim, which are mentioned in Isaiah chapter six, verses two through seven. And then finally, we have what are called the living creatures, which are yet another kind of spiritual being. They are mentioned surrounding the throne of God. They have appearances like a lion and an ox and a man and also an eagle and they appear for us in ezekiel and then also again in revelation they're the spiritual beings that are around the throne of god crying out holy 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 it would even appear that angels have some kind of rank or hierarchy within their number because in jude verse 9 we are told about one particular angel named michael And he's referred to as an archangel. He seems to lead an angelic army. And we find that in Revelation chapter 12, Michael, the archangel, leading uh, the host or the heavenly armies, these spiritual beings that are angels. And then along with Michael, there's one other angel that's given a specific name in the Bible. That's Gabriel. Gabriel is mentioned in Luke chapter 1. He's the angel who... Uh, Shows up as a messenger of God to speak with Mary and tell her the good news that she's going to Have a child uh, Through the Holy Spirit and that child will be Jesus Now angels may be spiritual creatures, but just like they are not uh, Eternal they are also not omnipresent like God which means they can only be in one place at one time A few different passages of scripture like Luke chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 10 give us this description of angels as being sent or having to come to a particular place. Um, So if angels are sent or they have to come to a particular place, it means that they were not originally in that place. And so we can determine from that that they're not omnipresent. Angels are finite creatures because they were created by God. And although they are powerful beings, they have limits to their being. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how many angels God made, but verses like Psalm 68:17 uh, give us some kind of indication. Psalm 68:17 says, the chariots of God are twice 10,000, thousands upon thousands. And this helps us understand that there's a vast multitude of these heavenly beings which God made. Now, it's become a kind of angel mythology that every person has some kind of guardian angel. I remember uh, at one point seeing a bumper sticker that said something like, my guardian angel is my co-pilot or something weird like that. Uh, And that probably comes out of a couple different verses in scripture. You have Psalm 91 verses 11 through 12. And it tells us that God will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So it is true that angels have been given the task of guarding God's people, but there's no clear evidence from scripture that each person has some kind of assigned guardian angel that goes with them through the course of their life. Somehow that has developed as a kind of folklore around angels. But in their work of guarding God's people and serving the Lord, angels have been given great power, And with that power, they carry out the tasks assigned to them. Part of that is battling the forces of evil. And so Psalm 103 verse 20 calls angels God's mighty ones who do his word. And so we see them fighting demonic powers in revelation at the command of God. And then amazingly, the Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 3 that after the resurrection, humans will have a higher position than angels do in the kingdom that is yet to come. So we tend to think of angels as beings that are in some way superior to us. And I guess in this life, in a sense they are because they're not bound by the bodies that we have and they interact with God in heaven. But in the life that's yet to come after the resurrection, actually humans will have a higher position than even angels do. Another concept we need to address is what the Bible refers to as the angel of the Lord. So there's several examples of this in the Old Testament, but I'm just gonna focus on one example that would come out of Exodus chapter three. And in Exodus chapter three, we're told that Moses meets the angel of the Lord in the burning bush. That same chapter also tells us that it's God who speaks to Moses from the burning bush. So what is the angel of the Lord then if the angel of the Lord speaks and then also God speaks to Moses in the same instance? Well, I think that we should actually conclude that this phrase, the angel of the Lord, refers to God himself taking on a human bodily form for a period of time in order to visibly appear to people. So this is not actually an angel. And uh, we could even go so far as to say that since Christ Jesus is God in the flesh, it's probably best for us to understand these instances as a pre-incarnate Christ appearing to people. Now, even that can be a little bit unclear because in some instances where the angel of the Lord appears, he does seem to be distinguished from God. So those passages would require us to read very carefully and try and discern whether we're actually talking about an angel or some kind of manifestation of god in a kind of spiritual angelic but pre-incarnate christ sort of way while we don't know exactly when god created the angels there is a verse in job chapter 38 uh, verses six through seven and it tells us that all the sons of god shouted for joy when god laid the cornerstone of the earth So if that's the case, and I don't see any reason why we would reject that since it's in scripture, it would seem that God made the angels early in the process of creating the universe out of nothing. Maybe he created them possibly on the first day of creation when God created the heavens and the earth. So potentially as part of creating the heavens on day one, God created the host of the heavens, uh, which would be those angelic beings. And then we can add that at some point after God finished making his very good creation on day six, but also before Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis 3, so sometime between day six of creation in chapter one of Genesis, and Genesis chapter three, when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, some of the angels that God made sinned. And that's how Satan came to be who he is, this corrupt angelic spiritual being and then he tempted Adam and Eve in the garden but again we don't know much about that because the Bible doesn't tell us so what about the purpose which angels play um, in God's creation a few points here first of all angels um, show the greatness of God's love and his plan for us as humans And the reason is because angels are never described as being made in God's image, which means that humans are an incredibly unique part of God's creation. They're special in the eyes of God. Again, we tend to think of angels as these kind of super special beings. And yet uh, it's only humans that are called created in the image of God in the text of Scripture. Furthermore, since angels don't marry and they cannot bear children, So only humans can procreate and make more humans in their own image and likeness. This too shows our beautiful reflection of God himself. We get to actually cooperate with God in creation um, by having children. And that's something that's unique to humans. And so when we contrast humans with angels, we see God's particular love and particular plan for us that's special and unique. We're also told in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, that when some of the angels sinned, God did not spare them. Instead, he bound them up for judgment. Contrast that with humans. When mankind sinned, uh, God, instead of immediately binding us up for judgment, God decided to redeem us through the sacrifice of his own son. And in doing that, God actually became man. Um, which is something very different than angels. We can't say that God ever became an angel, but God did take on human flesh. And rather than condemn us immediately, he offered us an opportunity for grace through Christ. So angels that sinned against God received no mercy from God, whereas humans have been offered mercy and grace through repentance. So the fact that we've been saved from a life of rebellion against God means that we're able to sing praises to God for the grace that he has given us. And that's a praise that angels will never be able to offer to God because they never were given uh, redemption or grace or salvation. Another purpose for the angels is to remind us that the unseen world is real. So the spiritual realm is a realm that really exists. I think this is kind of difficult for us to wrap our minds around because in the modern world that we live in, we're very materialistic. But the mention of angels throughout the scriptures reminds us that we actually live in a universe that is both material and spiritual. And so Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 tells us that when the church gathers together to worship God, we actually join with innumerable angels in giving praise to God because he's the God of both heaven and earth. Angels also serve the purpose of God by giving us an example to follow. Um, Jesus told us to pray that God's will would be done on earth just as it is in heaven. So we can say that God's will is done by angels. It's done by them immediately, joyfully, and without question. You know, other than the angels that sinned against God, all the other angels um, continue to serve God. And so we should follow their example to do God's will in a similar manner, manner, immediately and joyfully and without question. Angels delight to serve God with humility. And that's the exact same attitude that we should have, go- we should have in serving God. And we see the seraphim who are giving God constant praise before his throne. They cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And so we can actually emulate the praise and the worship of angels as we see it described in scripture. And then we find, especially in the book of Revelation, that God uses angels to carry out some of his plans. He commands them and they act on his behalf. And they serve as ministers before God ministering directly to him by giving him glory. And of course, we too should follow that example, ministering to God, giving him the glory. The last thing for us to reflect on is what kind of relationship humans should have towards angels. And this is maybe the place uh, where the church needs the most teaching on the subject of angels. There are some people who think too highly of angels and they almost worship and adore them but that would be inappropriate for us to do as christians since angels themselves worship god we should follow their example and only worship god he alone deserves our praise and our adoration but we could also maybe swing to the other side of the spectrum and make the mistake of being overly materialistic and forgetting that god has filled the heavens with spiritual beings and actually scripture encourages us To be aware of these heavenly beings who also serve God, so that we might be in awe of God and give him praise and glory. And we can give God thanks that he's created these spiritual beings in part for our protection as they keep watch and guard over us. But the Bible also warns us concerning angels. Uh, The Bible warns us that we should not accept false doctrine from angels. Galatians chapter 1 verse 8 says, Even if an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. We're also told in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 14 that even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light in an effort to tempt us and lead us into error. So when you think about Mormonism, Mormonism claims to have authority. Because Joseph Smith saw God and God gave him this revelation. And yet the Bible clearly tells us that uh, any revelation that's contrary to scripture uh, it should be rejected. right? Even if an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. And Satan disguises himself as an angel of light in, in an effort to tempt us and lead us into error. So these new revelations that seem to come from spiritual beings should be rejected wherever they are contrary to scripture and again satan can manipulate our thinking he can try through these angelic visions and uh, that should lead us to be cautious and not go beyond what the bible teaches concerning angels or concerning any other doctrine furthermore we should not worship angels we should not pray to them We really shouldn't even seek them out. Um, In Colossians chapter 2 verse 18, the worship of angels is condemned as a false doctrine. And we see throughout the Bible in a few instances that the angels themselves, when they appear to humans, sometimes the humans bow down to them. And the angels specifically say that humans are not to worship them, that they are only to worship God. As for prayer, we, we wouldn't pray to angels. We pray only to God because we need no mediator between us and God. Jesus Christ, who is both God and man, is the only mediator between us and God. And so we don't need angels to go between us and God because we actually have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit, which God has given to us by Jesus. And then there's no indication in scripture that we should seek to even interact with angels. And for the very same reason as we've already been discussing, because we should seek only God himself. Why would we want some kind of relationship with an angel that is created by God and a lesser being than God when we have direct access to God himself? Maybe one final question that's worth asking is, do angels appear to people today? Well, there's no place in the Bible that tells us that angels definitely won't appear to people today. We do see them appearing to people in the early days of the church in the book of Acts. Um, It's not common, but it happens. And so it would seem that it's possible an angel could appear to a person today. But I think, again, we should be extremely cautious about this for the reasons that I already mentioned, that Satan himself can masquerade as an angel And so it would be best to say at this point that we should let scripture be our guide in all things. If you want to know God, you don't need to go to an angel to get your questions answered, you can simply go to scripture. And so we should hold fast to the conviction that no spiritual being, no angelic creature, can give to us an authoritative teaching that is beyond what scripture has given us, and never should any spiritual being or angelic creature try to communicate to us a teaching that's contrary to what the Bible teaches. In other words, the Bible itself is the source of our authority, and we should judge things according to what scripture teaches. So let me offer two points in closing. First, we may be curious to know more about the spiritual realm, to know more about angels and spiritual creatures. And there are sometimes false teachers who pop up in the church who promise to be able to give us more of that information. And unfortunately, they lead many people astray. But since the Bible doesn't tell us anything more, we should really be content with what we have been given. Deuteronomy 29.29 tells us the secret things belong to God. And so we should be very cautious not to long for more than what God has chosen to give us. Let's be content with his love, with his grace. Let's be content with Jesus who reveals God to us. Let's be content with the scriptures that tell us everything God intends for us to know. And then second, I think if I could leave you with a kind of application reflection question, it would simply be this. We learned that angels delight to do the will of God and they serve him faithfully. Can the same be said for you? Do you delight to do the will of God as it's been revealed in the Bible? And do you follow the example of the angels in serving God faithfully? Our next episode will be on Satan and demons. And so I hope that you'll join us again next week for uh, chapter 20. I'm sure that will be another chapter that will be enlightening as we discuss what the Bible teaches about Satan and demons. Until then, blessings.